So we are continuing our series on Lent, and um, we are in a message today called New Paths. Okay, and I was thinking about this because it feels like we're starting to come out of the woods, so to speak, with COVID lockdowns um, and all the quarantine, all the mandates, all of the different responsibilities that were placed upon us are finally starting to lift a little bit. But it's not all roses and sunshine, is it? Uh, life is still hard. In fact, um, this world feels very different, almost unrecognizable to the world it was two years ago. And even though a lot has happened in the last two years and we've made a lot of progress, many lives were saved, many lives were lost, and we're trying to move on with our lives, um, it feels as though those two years were just a blip of time like it's so weird because the last two years felt so long yet it kind of feels like a dream too <laughs> right like i don't know about you guys but for me this concept of time is such a weird reality um i i forget that i'm two years older today than i was <laughs> two years ago you know i forget my age right i forget what year we're in okay this this whole concept of time is a very strange concept for me and in many ways, it, it, it kind of feels like I was robbed. <laughs> I was robbed of two years <laughs> of my life. And strangely, um, this kind of reminds me of uh, an experience that I had um, like many, many years ago when I was in college. Gosh, <laughs> 20 freaking years ago, I was in college. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, when I was in college, I went on this hike in Yosemite um, called Half Dome, okay? Are, are you guys familiar with Half Dome? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, Riley for sure is because he's a big hiking buff. Iris is familiar with it. You two are not because you're from the East Coast. But you, sh uh, you should try it someday in your life before you die. Oh, that's announcement. Um, so this is kind of what the hike uh, looks like. This is obviously like, you know, scaling way back, okay? And um, the quality of this picture is not that great. I actually pulled it from Yosemite's website. Um, it's, so it's a hike in Yosemite uh, up in like central California. And that right there, I wonder if this is going to work on the TV. That right there is half dome. You could see why they call it half dome because it looks like half a dome, right? And like a steep wall on the other side of it, right? And uh, I remember going on this hike, okay, and that's kind of loosely the one of the trails that you can go on, okay, and, and there are like shorter versions and there are longer versions. I went on one of the longer ones when I was in college with uh, a large group of friends, and many of these friends that I went on this hike with have never gone on a hike before, and the first hike that they decided to go on was Half Dome, which is an 18-mile hike nine miles up nine miles down okay so it is not easy okay or for the faint of heart um so you start at the you know the base of the mountain right and and in the beginning most of it is relatively flat okay and it's a really really enjoyable hike uh and there are like views like this kind of scattered throughout the hike and it's gorgeous right and if the weather's nice it feels like it could be uh 
pretty easy, okay, relatively um, doable. Uh, obviously, it gets harder and you start entering these like rolling hills, okay? Most of it is shaded, but still, it's still really hard, okay? And some of these hills are really steep, right? Uh, there are some moments of rest and calm in between because uh, you're walking alongside a stream. As you can see, there's like little waterfalls scattered throughout. Uh, it's still beautiful, right? But it's, um, it's getting harder because you're going up and down, up and down, and going around these windy hills. And then um, after about like maybe uh, eight miles, you get to the bottom of Half Dome and it gets really hard. It gets really hard. Right there at the bottom of the, that yellow trail, right? Uh, they, they nicknamed that the Stairway to Heaven, but it really should be called Stairway to Hell because it is so hard. Each step is like this chair, okay? You're, you're stepping like this, okay? It's not like regular like steps, okay? It, you're like stepping like this, like all the way up that mountain. And then, um, and that really is physically the hardest part because it's just such a steep stairway all the way up, up, up. And as you can see, you have to go like zigzag up that mountain. And then at that, at the actual side of the half dome, at the actual dome, it's so steep and slippery that they have these guardrails and you have to pull yourself up with a rope. See that? Yeah. And it's only one way up, one way down. Okay, that's the only way you can go. Apparently during COVID, like this was all shut down. You might not be, you weren't able to hike it during COVID. Maybe it's opening up now. I'm not actually not sure, but um, obviously like, you know, when I went, it was 20 years ago. So yeah, this is how steep it is. And when you're on holding onto that rope for dear life, the, the, you feel like the wind is gonna blow you off from at the top of that mountain, the wind is very strong and you're just like swaying <laughs> back and forth. Right, holding on for dear life. Then you get to the top of Half Dome and it's just the most gorgeous view that you can see of all of Yosemite, like a 360 degree view of Yosemite and it's beautiful. And you reach the top and I was thinking uh, to myself, I made it. I could enjoy this view. I felt so accomplished. And after just a couple minutes of feeling accomplished, I was getting upset, I was getting angry, I was feeling sad, you know why? I have to go back down. <laughs> I have another nine miles down to go. I have to go back down that side of the freaking dome. I have to go down the stairway to hell, I mean stairway to heaven. <laughs> I have to go up and down and windy those, uh, around those windy hills and then all the way back to my campsite, right? Which Literally, this took all day, right? And that's what was going through my mind when I was at the top of Half Dome. It feels like today, where we are in our lives, in our society, we're kind of at the peak of this precipice, right? And we've gone on this incredibly difficult journey these past two years. And we finally get to breathe, we finally get to rest and just take a break. 
But then there's that looming, <laughs> ominous, dark thought in the back of our minds. Oh, we still have this new path to go. Right? We still have to travel down this new path that is just as unfamiliar and maybe just as difficult as the path that we were on the past two years. That's how I feel today. I don't know if any of this resonates with you all. Uh, and we've gone through some difficult times. Um, and we know that this new path that lies ahead of us is still going to be difficult. And uh, when I was up at the top of this mountain, I'm remembering um, <laughs> this stupid <laughs> trail. I have to go back down, this stupid freaking trail, right? This new path that I have to go down again. If you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me to Joshua chapter 3? Verses, um, well, we're actually looking at the entire book of Joshua. Uh, or not the entire book, the entire chapter of Joshua 3. But for now, well, let's just read uh, a few verses. Sorry. I don't know why it's... Uh, happened Joshua 3 verses uh, 1 through 6 yeah we're looking at the entire chapter of Joshua 3 but for now I'll just read Joshua 3 verses 1 through 6 early in the morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people so they took it up and went ahead of them. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, just as your word says, we have never been this way before. While we have traversed some very difficult paths um, recently, this new path that we are about to enter into is also going to be difficult. It's going to have its fair share of challenges. And we are entering new land, new territory. And we know that just as you were with your people thousands and thousands of years ago, as they crossed the Jordan River and entered into the promised land, you are with us today. 
We thank you for your continued faithfulness. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for being with us always. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So we are reading from Joshua chapter 3. Uh, and we're looking at the whole chapter, but for now, we're just, we just looked at uh, verses 1 through 6. And this was the time when the transition of leadership happened in uh, Israelites' history. This is the Israelites who came out of slavery in Egypt and were about to enter into the promised land. Okay? Now, Moses and the previous generation of Israelites, uh, a lot of them have died away because they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. And so those who were uh, older, those who were of, uh, who were the kind of seniors in the community have died. And there's this new generation of Israelites that were going to enter into the promised land, like that was, that was led by Joshua and Caleb and other leaders. Now, the Israelites wandered, like I said, in the desert for 40 years. And when this journey, could have actually taken them only a matter of months. Okay, history tells us that uh, a lot of what they were doing in the desert for 40 years was just kind of wandering around, uh, almost walking in circles. And many people ask why God made them do that for so long. But the real question uh, that you have to ask is, why did it take the Israelites so long to prepare before entering into the promised land? It's not because God was deliberately blocking them from entering into the promised land, it's simply because the Israelites weren't ready yet. You have to remember that literally all of these Israelites, uh, history tells us it's like more than a million people, okay? They were literally all born into slavery. They, they didn't know anything else, okay? They literally did not know anything else other than being slaves. So freedom was a very foreign concept. Uh, being, having their own government, having their own nation was a very foreign concept. Even rest, literal rest, taking a day off was a very, very foreign concept. And so it took them a long time to get their act together and for them to be prepared, to be ready to enter into this promised land. And the reason why it took them a long time to prepare to enter into the promised land is precisely because the promised land would have a lot of problems. The promised land is not going to be easy, okay? The promised land is going to present to them new difficulties that they've never experienced before in their lives. And now they are at the threshold of entering into the promised land. And the first incredibly challenging task that they have before them is to cross this Jordan River, okay? And the Jordan River is not like a hop, skip, and a jump away. Okay, it's this massive river, okay, uh, that they have to cross, okay, and they don't have boats, right, and so how in the world are, go are they going to do this? Uh, and so this is the passage that we're looking at today, okay, they're about to cross the Jordan River. And this is one of the miracles that often gets overlooked in the Old Testament because it feels very similar to the miracle uh, of the previous generation of Israelites crossing the Red Sea, okay, when... Uh, the Israelites were leaving Egypt. Um, they, they, didn't, they had this huge Red Sea that they had to like cross. And so God told Moses to 
stick his staff into the water, and then the water split open, and they were able to walk across the bed of the sea in order to get to the other side, okay? This is very similar to that, all right? Um, and so they had no idea how it was going to happen, how they were going to be able to cross this massive Jordan River. And so God gave them very, very specific instruction, okay? And this is just like some of it, okay? God told them to grab uh, 12 people from each of the various tribes that were there among the Israelites and that they had to carry this Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was this chest, uh, a, a box that held many of their sacred ancient artifacts like the Ten Commandments, okay? The stone that had the Ten Commandments, okay? And, and various other things that were uh, sacred to their people. And so he said, take that box, bring like 12 men from each of your tribes and then head towards the water. This literally made no sense to the Israelites at the time, right? So it required faith. It required a lot of faith, right? And so this is the first thing that uh, we learn about new paths is that new paths come with faith. If you are a person of faith, if you claim to have faith in God, God will challenge you to walk down new paths. It's inescapable. If you claim to be a person of faith, God will challenge you to do things you have never done, to go places you've never gone, and to say words you've never said before. Oftentimes, we don't enter into these new paths because they're scary. And that's exactly right, okay? New paths are supposed to be scary. Right? They're, they're new, like we've never entered into them before. And so, yeah, they are supposed to be scary. And there's a reason for that, okay? There's a reason for that. It's because God wants to grow our faith. And he wants to build us into the people that he designed for us to be, he, uh, that he desires for us to be. In a couple of weeks, um, the Church Universal uh, will celebrate Palm Sunday, uh, which is April 10th. And this commemorates Jesus's triumphal entry into the holy city of Jerusalem a week before he is betrayed arrested, crucified, and buried in the tomb. And I wondered, before this triumphal entry, before Palm Sunday, did Jesus ever go into Jerusalem before? According to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it never records Jesus ever going to Jerusalem before. Maybe he has, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke have never documented it. And there's a very, very good reason for this, okay? It's because going into Jerusalem, going into Jerusalem for Jesus ultimately meant death on a cross. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been for Jesus to walk that path up to Jerusalem? And Jerusalem was a, a city that was placed on top of a hill, okay? It's a city on top of a hill, literally, right? And so the path, to go into Jerusalem, you have to, he had to walk up. And there was only one road up at the time in the first century. There was only one road up and one road down. Can you imagine how difficult that path must have been for Jesus to walk into Jerusalem? Because it meant death. 
It meant betrayal. It meant loneliness. And it also meant freedom for us. And at the time when God challenges us to enter into new territory and to walk down new paths, at the time, it, it, it might not make much sense. Right? It, it would be confusing, right? Like, why am I going through this? Why is God telling me to do these things that I've never done before? And it's only in hindsight that it makes sense. When you're in the present moment, it, it makes no sense, right? In this present moment that the Israelites are in, God tells Joshua, who's the new leader of the Israelites, right? He tells him to grab 12 people from each tribe and carry this box and then step into the water. That makes no sense, right? They could have been like, why in the world are we doing this? Like, like what's this going to do? Like, okay, we're going to get our feet wet. So what, right? They have no idea, right? But in faith, they obeyed. And when they did that, the flow of the water of the Jordan River stopped and it built this kind of invisible dam. And the water was piling up on one side and the water that had flowed before just continued to flow downstream. And they were able to walk across the bed of the river, just like their parents' generation did across the Red Sea. And only after they crossed the Jordan River, they were able to look back and be like, okay, I get why I had to do that now. <laughs> it, it made no sense to me at the time, but okay, we're, we're on this side of the river, so okay, I get it. I get it. So new paths come, will always come with faith. But the problem is, not many people will walk it because they're scared because there's risk involved, and that's true, and we have to acknowledge the risks involved. New paths often require risk. New paths often require risk. No risk, no reward. If you want to play it safe, right, if you never want to get hurt, then just stay where you are. Stay exactly where you are. Don't do anything, right? Don't do anything with your life. That's easy. But God doesn't want us to stay where we are. He doesn't want us to remain stagnant in our faith, in our spiritual maturity, in our emotional health, which is why God always challenges us to walk down new paths. A lot of what God has us do and what happens to us may not make sense at the time. Only when we look in hindsight will it make sense just like it did for the Israelites, the new generation of Israelites. And people are often paralyzed to do what they know they're called to do because they're afraid of risk. They're afraid of risk. But the people who regret the most in life are the people who never take risks. A month ago, I gave a sermon uh, entitled Living with Regret. And near the end of the sermon, I shared about this book, this best-selling book by an author. Her name is Bronnie Ware, and she was a, a hospice nurse for uh, over 20 years. And she was bedside at many patients' deaths for like hundreds and hundreds of people, right? And she compiled 
the top five regrets of the dying. The top five things, the, pop, to, the top five regrets that she most often heard of people when they were on their deathbeds. And the number one regret that she heard was a regret. I, I wish I lived the life I was meant to live, not the life that others wanted for me. I wish I lived the life I was meant to live, not the life that others wanted of me. And oftentimes, the life that others want of you are, is what's safe, <laughs> right? Like, it, you know, and, and maybe a lot of it is from, like, parents, right? Because they don't want you to get hurt, right? So they just want you to take the safest route possible. When I told my parents when I was in college that I was going to pursue ministry, they told me, like, not to do it, right? They're Christian, by the way. <laughs> but they told me not to do it because they know that it was going to be hard, right? They're like, why don't you become an accountant? <laughs> like, they were thinking of, like, possibly the most, like, safe career choice ever, right? Accountant. And I just knew, like, deep in my heart and, like, deep in my gut that I would be miserable. I would be miserable if I didn't follow the life that God called me to live. And I knew that God had some sort of plan for me, and I know that it was difficult. Um, it was going to be difficult. Uh, yet, I trusted in the plan that God had for me, other than the safe plan that my parents wanted for me. You know, it's, and it's because they love me, right? And it's because they don't want to see me get hurt, right? They don't want to see me struggle. <laughs> they don't want to see me um, in pain. And I've experienced all of that. And yet, I have no regrets, like, about choosing this career path. It's still hard, <laughs> right? We, we, I mean, we're like just now coming out of COVID and I just feel like this <laughs> career that I chose of being a pastor is just getting more and more difficult. Yet I, I am more and more confident that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm just a masochist or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I don't really, like, regret it that much now because I, I read books like Ronnie Ware's um, Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret that she heard from dying people is, I wish I lived the life I was meant to live. Not the life that others wanted of me. And I know that the, these first two points that I'm making regarding new paths, it's kind of... Uh, hard to swallow, right? Um, it's kind of bitter, which is why uh, we have to remember that new paths also offer promise, right? New paths offer promise. What was waiting for the Israelites on the other side of the Jordan River? The promised land. The promised land. And while the promised land is still going to have its fair share of difficulties and challenges, it's way better than slavery in Egypt. It's way better than wandering around in the desert for 40 years, right? It's way better than being lost. The promised land is still going to have a lot of problems, but it's better than where we were. 
about a year ago while we were still in the middle of this pandemic under some of the strictest lockdowns, quarantines, uh, quarantines and mandates that any of us have ever experienced before. I gave a message on the same book, Joshua, but on chapter one, but on chapter one, okay? Like some of the encouragements that God was giving to the new leadership of the Israelites and the next generation of Israelites. And this is what God said to them thousands of years ago. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, in verse 4 of today's passage, God told the Israelites, you have never been this way before. You have never been this way before, right? And God didn't necessarily have to tell the Israelites that. They knew this, okay? They were stuck in Egypt, like, most of their lives, and then they were wandering around the desert for 40 years. That's it. <laughs> that was their entire life. Right? And so obviously they know that they've never been here before. They've never even seen the Jordan River, uh, let alone cross it and enter into the promised land. Right? And so God really didn't need to tell them this. The reason why he said this is to remind them that he is going with them. They have never been down this new path before. So he is going with them. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is something that God is sharing with me and reminded me of all throughout this week. I am going through some difficult things in my life and I'm entering into new territory and I'm walking down new paths that I have never walked down before. And God keeps reminding me, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the reflection question for this week, for all of you, is this. For all of us. What new path is God challenging you to take? What new path is God challenging you to take? Let's pray. Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I'm hurting. And Lord, I'm sad. And yet I remember that you are with me. I need not be afraid because you are with me. I know I'm not weak because you are with me. And I know I can be encouraged because you are with me. I have never been this way before. And I know that you are with me wherever I go. God, you are encouraging. 
many of us, if not all of us here today and watching online, that we have never been here before, and yet you will be with us every single step of the way. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness, and for never leaving our side. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a blessed week.